1: Can you see it? Did you
0: notice? Goal checked, but the puck comes
2: right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot, he scores! Moments
0: notice. Adam here like I don't I don't <laughs> cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks by, my just wave the guy and
2: get Demko involved I wanted them in Valentine's Day. wow
1: really?
2: we should do a radio show
0: together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now
2: what our, how Pearl steals cutting in shoots snores
0: Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli, and joining me now, fresh off his Botchford Project night, is Chris Faber.
2: What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, it's exciting, uh, exciting week for sure. Uh, everything's been going like really good. I met with Tony Gallagher yesterday. Uh, got some awesome quotes about Jason Botchford from him. That's what the article's about. Um, it was an incredible day, man, from start to finish. You know, like the morning skate was was so crazy because I, I wanted to talk to the core four that botch talked about last year you know besser petterson stetcher and horvat and petterson didn't end up skating that day for the morning practice it was an optional one but uh when he heard that i was writing about jason botchford for the project he said like he would give me like some time and he came out we talked about him for like five minutes so just like petterson coming out and doing that was incredible and then all in all is pretty awesome day got to you know attend a game in the media box uh paid meal which was solid it's boneless chicken thighs which are one of my favorites oh, yeah. always good to have that and uh yeah all in all it was a great day man great week and uh excited to get this article out it's looking like it'll be coming out next weekend i believe after uh all the trade deadline drama goes down, which we'll talk about a lot, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, Elias Peterson's a good dude. I'm really glad he did that for you. And I got a sneak peek. You came for lunch in between morning skate and uh, and your game night. And that was awesome, hearing what he had to say about botch. And I really, like, I've been tweeting it all week. I'm really excited for this article. Like, really excited. And it's, I know it's going to be awesome. And, yeah, I can't wait to see what you come up with, man.
2: Yeah, I haven't really wrote anything else in the past, like, three weeks. Just because I've been, like, 100% focused on this article. And trying to make it, like, the best thing I've ever wrote. So, uh, I think it is at this point, like reading it back. They also told me like shoot for 800 words. I'm at like 1900 words right now. So it's a little bit longer than maybe some of the other, uh, articles in the Botcher project, but I think, um, they understood and, you know, getting the artwork from Georgia twist was just like the icing on top and Yeah, there was a lot of things like I kept saying like, oh, I finally got the final piece of the puzzle. Like first it was getting the artwork from Georgia, but then it was, you know, Pedersen actually coming out. That was another perfect piece of the puzzle. And then, you know, I get to talk to Tony Gallagher, a guy who helped out Jason so much in this market when he got here. And like, that was kind of like, okay, I got to stop adding pieces to this puzzle because now I have like almost too many pieces. And like, I'm almost starting to feel like pressure putting this article together, but I'm just, I'm excited to get it out there and, uh, and I hope people enjoy it, uh, because i like really enjoyed uh, writing about it because I know some people have mentioned it's like, Oh, it's nice of you to do that to botch or do that for botch. But it's like, man, I'm like, I'm also doing this like for me because like, this is like what I, what I've really wanted to write about. You know, I really wanted to write about Jason Botchford and the fact that I get an opportunity to do it on like conducts.com uh, with a big audience is, is so incredible. So yeah, I'm excited to get it finished and uh, hopefully it's out next weekend.
0: Uh, one thing you saw on your Botchford project night was Tyler to Foley. Playing on Elias Petterson and JT Miller's line. What did you see from Taffoli that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like? Man,
2: okay. So getting him on that line is not where anybody really expected him to be there. I think I floated it on the yeah, emergency podcast. Yeah, I shut podcast. that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shut up, Chris. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, nobody thought he was going to end up playing with Pettersson and Miller, but he does. They have a pretty good night. Um, Obviously score the goal with JT Miller getting the pass from Tyler Taffoli on the point there, and he redirected in front. But man, the thing that I really liked about Tyler Toffoli, and I heard him talking about this post game, um, was like they asked him like, "Hey, when that when Dumba steps up and he throws that knee and kind of punches Pedersen in the face and knocks him over, like you went over there and skated right over there, like why'd you do that?" And then he kind of just mentioned that like, "Well, he's like a hockey and you got to stand up for your teammates." And like I, I was hearing the way that Tyler Toffoli was answering questions to the media, and he's gonna make some really good quotes in the future here. Like he's a, I think he's like a funny guy, but he also like. This is his first time being in a big Canadian market after being in L.A. for a long time. So yeah. I don't know how long he's going to keep this, like, humor going because in L.A. it probably was like, you know, he could say whatever he wants and it doesn't matter because, like, the, the bench players on the Lakers would get all the uh, yeah, all the exactly. clips in the newspapers and on the websites. But now that he's here in Vancouver, uh, I think he's going to learn pretty fast that his quotes travel everywhere. Uh, and I hope that he keeps it up because just hearing the way he was talking to guys like Daniel Wagner and Wyatt aren't, like... They, they're guys that can kind of break down interviews. Like you see all the big media people go in. You see the 1040s, the 650s, the Sportsnet TV, and even the TSN TV. Like Farhan was there for that one. And we were seeing all of them. They would all talk to Toffoli for like four minutes, get their quotes. And then that's when Weggs and, and Wyatt step in there. And, you know, they do their questions and they're a little bit different questions because they like to include a, bit, a little bit of comedy in their writing. And uh, yeah, I think is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun on this Canucks team. I just didn't expect him to be on that line. But it makes a lot of sense that he's a right-shot guy You can hop in there. He's, you know, similar to what Brock Besser brings to this team. And I know a lot of people would say, well, Brock Besser's a better shooter. It's like, yeah, Brock Besser has potential to be a better player. But right now, Tyler DeFoli is, you know just as good, if not better, than Brock Besser on that one. Yeah,
0: I'd say that Tyler Toffoli is a more complete player, and I think he complements Pedersen maybe better than Besser does. So we'll have to see what happens when Besser gets healthy. But one thing I definitely want to talk about, like I was at that game as well, not in the press box, but (laughs) it was a great performance from Toffoli. I liked what I saw from him. And I liked that whole line. I liked, liked the trio together. We need a new name for them, though. It can't be the Lotto line. It's got to be something else. We yeah, I saw people saying,
2: like, the Lotto line, but with Toffoli. It's like, not nah, The Lotto line,
0: but with Toffoli. That's perfect. Figure out
2: what's going on. Well, uh, hero tier supporter of this show, Jacob Calvert uh was the one who came up with a lot of line yes. co-founder so we'll see if he can come up with them next week here and uh, yeah. maybe he can figure something out I'll be looking for that on Twitter this weekend
0: One thing we got to talk about though after seeing that game is Bo Horvat gets Tyler Toffoli, and it looked like oh yeah Horvat's got his winger perfect Canucks top 6 is great we were t- we were talking about it all last week was yeah here comes t- He's going to play with Pearson and Horvat they're best friends Pearson and Toffoli, that is uh so instant chemistry perfect and then Travis Green tricks all out tricks out Bo Horvat, I think, and gives him Louis Erickson. Uh <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that can't happen anymore. Like I don't think Louis Erickson's done enough. Like he played well in the first and second period of that game, don't get me wrong. But in the third period, when it came crunch time and you know, open net, you the simply put, you need a guy that's playing in your top six to be able to bury that chance. And Louis couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, and I mean like, Louis can't do a lot of things that you see a guy like Zach McEwen do. I mean, Louis's not going to bring the physicality. There's so many times where Louis has a guy lined up on the tracks, and he just kind of turns his body, puts a stick in instead, and just kind of, like, slides by him. And, and you bring up a really good point about, yeah, a top six player needs to bury that every single time, uh, or at least, like, nine out of ten times. But with Louis, like, he's, he's burying that, like, one out of ten times. <laughs> which uh, kind of like moved me into buying a Louis Erickson jersey as well. People are giving me uh, oh, crap yeah. on Twitter for that. People don't even believe you. No one yes. believes me, but I bought one of these uh, Chinese New Year Louis Erickson jerseys because it was on uh, Clear clearance Special. Uh, so I will wear that in one of our next uh, – as soon as that comes in, I'll be wearing that for our uh, Canucks uh, opening the cards from Zephyr Epic uh, live stream video for sure. But um, Tyler Toffoli on the power play, what did you like about that?
0: I loved it, man. Like – you know, we we talk about it like Newell Brown's wanted somebody for that spot for a long time and he hasn't really had it. You know, Brock Bester's not really really great in the bumper position, and Tofoley was. And I liked I liked what I saw for sure, and like, you know, I think it gives the power play an added advantage of having like, you know, Horvat and Toffoli can work the puck to each other, right? From the bumper and the net front, right? And I, I liked what I saw from him for sure. Um and I, one thing I want to talk about to Foley though is his puck puck retrieval was yeah. really good especially on the power play like I it was very noticeable for me and like you know we we in this market know how important puck retrieval on a power play is we see Ryan Kessler do it when he played with the Sedin's right like you know it's not a take a shot misses the net okay it's done the opponent's clearing the puck no it's get on that puck and get it back to uh, Quinn Hughes or in Kessler's case a uh, Henrik or Daniel Sedin. Um, and that's what we're seeing to fully do, and we saw that last game, and I definitely like to see that from him on that power play unit, and I think he really does bring a new element to the power play. Yeah,
2: that's the perfect way to talk about him on the power play. And what you bring up there was talking about what he does without the puck and retrieving the puck is huge too. And we saw it very early on. I think it was like his very first shift. And there's like a 50-50 puck that kind of gets in between the defender's skate. And he kind of toe-drags it out, goes around the guy. The crowd goes nuts. Like That was just kind of like, oh, Toffoli's here and he's he's a skilled player like yeah. with the puck and retrieving the puck. But I think what we saw, even in just game one, was his ability to move the puck up ice with those guys. And, you know, it's tough coming into a lineup – and expecting to know where to be on the ice, where to yeah, go on a yeah. breakout. But the fact that he was just so skilled and he's playing with guys that are so skilled in JT Miller and Elias Pedersen, like, like yeah, like I I almost think that, you know, Monday there was so much talk about Tyler Toffoli. I mean, shit, we came in here and did an emergency podcast. like And the radio waves all throughout the week were so much talk about Toffoli. And then Wednesday happens, the games happen. And, like almost died down a lot but man like we're going to start to see over the next little bit that Tyler Toffoli is going to make a huge impact on this team. He's a guy that's uh, 100% a top 6 player in the league and the Canucks just don't have enough of these guys that are 100% top 6 guys. Like we're seeing like you mentioned Louis Erickson still needs to slide in there, Jake Frantan though he's been, you know, excellent this season at times, he's definitely not in that realm of being like a top 6 guy for sure in the yeah. NHL. But that's the other thing, it's like so Toffoli's not playing with Bo Horvat, that's where I want to see him. To me, it makes a lot more sense to have Jake Furtanen in the top six than to have Louis Erickson in the top six.
0: I'd say it almost makes more sense to have McEwen, too. Yeah, right? yeah like, I think so, too, yeah. I think Travis Green's starting to trust... Like You know, we heard Jim Benning talk about how he thinks McEwen's an NHL player, and he said we think, so that's your whole, whole organization, right? Yeah,
2: it's not just Jim and John anymore, yeah, maybe Travis is in there. <laughs>
0: exactly, so, you know, if McEwen's... If McEwen's able to play that two-way role, that's exactly where he should be—is that second line? Because we talk about it almost every week. It feels like we're talking about how the second line is really like a secondary shutdown line for the Canucks. Right. Like it's—it's it's the they get the tough matchups, and I think if McEwen can continue to thrive in those matchups, I think he could get some top six time over but Vertanen. Because
2: for, for that reason, though, like if you think about it, the the line doesn't really have to be a second shutdown line if Toffoli's on it. Like that line can go up and match up against other teams' top lines in the NHL and be okay against them because they have players like Pearson and Toffoli and Horvat. Like if that's the line that's going up a match, it's not really a shutdown line anymore. Yeah. Like now they actually, because we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, we're like, okay, if Louis Erickson's on that line, they're going into the playoffs or Zach McEwen's on that line. They're going to the playoffs. All they need to do is not get outscored by the other team's top line. And now like, if you have Tyler Toffoli on that line, you have a way better chance of that. And that's yeah. going to open up opportunities for a guy like Jake for to go play with the top line of JT Miller and Patterson. And yeah, he's going to match up against other teams, best defensemen. The thing that I like so much about that is because Jake creates so much space. It's good for him to move around other teams' top defensemen and open up more ice for JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. Because if he's going up against the other teams' like top forward lines, top defensive forward lines, which we see a lot of with Bo Horvat's line, like Jake Furtanen has the opportunity to use his speed, use his speed, use his decent shot, and he can come in and just make an impact with that line. Because I I've talked about it in like a past couple weeks, he just brings so much of a different feel to that line from anyone that we really see on that line. Like Brock Besser is probably the best fit on that line, but we did get some good news this week that Brock Besser is uh, talking about getting back before um, playoffs. I know Dollywall tweeted that out. I saw Clay Emo talking about that at uh, playoffs or with that man. A lot of news came out of this, like meet the Canucks night. <laughs> it seems like, but like all these fans started becoming insiders. Yeah, like the PR
0: team is going to be freaking oh, out yeah. over all the stuff that was told to fans. Oh, by the way,
2: I want to quickly shout out the PR team. They were incredible uh, helping me with the Botchford night. Uh, ben Brown, uh, Victoria, Stephanie, uh, even Chris was there as well. Talking to all those folks, they really helped like set up the interviews. And even with you know Patterson not being available to media, the the fact that they went in and got him and brought him out, and you know got me one on one time with Horvat and Stetcher and all these guys, it was. Uh, great. And they uh, helped out a big time. I got, I guess I got to shout out Drancer and uh, J-Pat as well. They helped uh, get through as well. I mean, j talked to me for like 30 minutes on the record for this article. And I told him, I'm like, okay, I just need like two quotes from you, Jeff. And we went on for 20 minutes, but I like, I wasn't going to stop him talking about Botch, obviously, because I, you know, I love to hear all the stories that he had and, Man, Tony Gallagher though some of the stories I can't share here online, but he told some awesome stories. Uh, I might have to talk to you off air about these kind of things. But there are some hilarious stories from up in Penticton and just kind of some of the stuff when he moved over here. So maybe a Patreon, maybe a Patreon maybe episode. A Patreon Dude, episode. I, I would bet that Tony's down to come chat. Yeah,
0: here. we'll have Tony Gallagher on. Just he was crazy, so stories. much
2: fun to talk to. I
0: was kind of worried because I'm one
2: like I walk in there and I even like said it to him off the start. I'm like, we're from like such different generations, and like it'd be even more for you being younger. But like. You know, like, it's, it's it's like, strange to have such a good conversation with someone that's, like, so different in age than you. But, yeah. like, even, like, we walk in to go sit down and have lunch, and we're just... Before we even, like, get seated, or before, like, the server even comes up and asks us, like, how many people are you... we sh- Like, we just start talking about Markstrom. Like, yeah. I was like, hey, Tony, nice to meet you. I'm Chris Favor. And then we start talking, and then just boom, like, right into, like, how good Markstrom's been this year. And if he can keep it up in the playoffs. He was just an awesome guy to talk hockey with.
0: Yeah, like, that. that's definitely going to have to be a Patreon episode. But I got to ask you something, Chris. We're talking about Jake Virtanen. Is it just me, or has Jake Virtanen really, like, struggled lately? And I just <laughs> pulled up his game logs because I have to see if it wasn't just me doing the eye test and not even looking at the goals, but two goals in his last ten games. And quite frankly, I think he had one of his worst games of the season against Minnesota.
2: Well, you read those stats even wrong, too. It's like one goal in his last nine. So, like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's even, even worse than two and ten. But... Yeah, you bring up a good point. That's because he's been moving around. You can see it with his just time on ice. He's not playing with Pedersen a lot. Uh, he's not playing on that line with Miller and Pedersen a lot because he's back down to 12 minutes, 14 minutes at five on five. And yeah, like, I don't know that line, that line at times is running really hot. And then at times they just kind of get like faded away into games. You know, like sometimes that Godette for 10 and Roussel line is just so effective because they're getting involved so much that like, they're the best line in certain periods for the Vancouver Canucks when they're at five on five and they don't get a lot of ice time. They might be the line that gets, you know, close to the least aside from maybe the Beagle line, which uh, we probably need to talk about as well. Cause that fourth line is mixed up. And uh, as we're recording this, Justin Bailey already has two goals in his first uh, game back with the Comets. Um, but yeah, I think that Jake Patanian fades a little bit because he's not put on a pedestal like he is when he's with Patterson and JT Miller. And I, t- I talk about it a lot. Like I t- I've already ranted about it this episode, but his speed just bring something that's going to open up more ice for Pedersen and Miller to shoot. And we saw Miller's work on Wednesday just ripping the puck for a couple shots. He, not only did he score two goals, he rang one off the crossbar, I believe, and, and one off the post. If, if Definitely hit the post once, maybe twice, but he had a good game when he was electric just firing the puck. So, yeah, I, I like Jake Furtan and in that spot, and I know that he's not the type of guy that would be on every single team's first line, but the way that he plays and the way that he skates just fits perfect on the Canucks' first line, I think.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, I was watching that Minnesota game, and there were, like, more than a few moments where Jake Vertanen had a brutal turnover. Oh, like, There was dude, some laughing up like, in there. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, painful to watch, and you're just like, what is he, like, what's he seeing out there? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just, like, was the press box laughing at him? Is that what once you
2: were or, Once or twice. Like, there's a couple of passes where it was just like, oh, come on, Jake. Oh, my God, <laughs> I Also, yeah. fun thing about Jake Vertanen, so... Some people know that I started the um, Movember campaign for him to shave yeah, yeah. his little pencil mustache yeah. is what I called it. Yeah. Um, so I passed that along to him in the locker room when I was in there. and he Apparently, he's happy with it. Uh, he wasn't mad. I told Ben. Uh, ben Brown was there. And Jake Town walked by, and I was like, oh, do you think I can get a chance to just talk to Jake about the Movember thing I did about him shaving his mustache? And he's like... He's like, oh yeah, that's right, that was you, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, I just wanted to make sure it was like cool because like we were raising money for a good cause, and I just told him like, you know, we raised almost seven hundred dollars uh, in total from November anyways. So he's like, I'll oh, I'll pass that on to Jake. And then he said after the game, he's like, I told Jake about the Movember thing. He laughed about it, so we're cool, we're cool. Like <laughs> awesome. he's not mad about me calling uh, his mustache a little pencil stash like I did in the uh, the Movember page description. Oh man, yeah, it's a good update. That cause... was a great
0: mustache. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's the kind of mustache. Yeah, I but know. that's coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll be able to grow a mustache. One day, man. Maybe when I turn 16.
2: Yeah, (laughs) 16, yeah. look, Just around the corner.
0: All right, what do we got next? Should we just jump into the Zephyr Epic Player of the Week? Yeah, we can go for it. uh, You want to just drop into a Zephyr ad, and then we'll get going. Yeah, we're going to hit you with the Zephyr Epic ad, and after that we will get into the Zephyr Epic Player of the Week segment. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. And a huge thank you once again to our sponsors, Zephyr Epic and Parallel 49 Brewing. This takes us right into our next segment, which is the Zephyr Epic Canuck of the Week. Zephyr Epic Player of the Week. The name kind of changes every week on Twitter. But we put out the poll this morning. Chris, why don't you pull up those poll results? Because I actually haven't looked. That's the thing Chris and I do is we don't look. We try and see uh, what the fans voted on and what uh, what they had to say. So our options this week, the Canucks had two losses, so it wasn't a great week for us. We had JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Tyler Toffoli, and Quinn Hughes as the options. And Chris, why don't you go through the results of this one? Sure. So JT Miller is who I voted
2: for, but I changed my mind since I voted a uh, few hours ago. JT Miller got 39.1% of the vote. He finished second. Uh, Elias Patterson got 7.4% of the vote, he finished last Tyler Toffoli got 8.9% of the vote, he finished third, and the winner who's probably going to win every freaking week because <laughs> he definitely changed his team, uh, is your boy Quinn Hughes with 44.6% of the vote, 202 votes in 10 hours. So we appreciate you guys chiming in. Uh, Quads, who was your player of the week, though? Quinn Hughes,
0: and I'll tell you why, Chris. Mm. Quinn Iron Lungs Hughes, as we should be called, because he had a shift last game that almost looked like he was out there for like three minutes, and he had a chance to change, and he didn't. And I was just like, why isn't this guy changing? And then he was skating full speed and didn't look tired at all. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, this guy's taking, like, three-minute shifts almost and looks totally fine. And it was just crazy. And this is the game against Minnesota, by the way. Um, and, you know, he picked up two points in that game, uh, one of which was oh, three points. Oh, in the last week, yeah. 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 So yeah, the one in the Ducks Yeah, he game. led the Canucks in points the last week. So it's kind of a no brainer for this one. Uh, well, I guess it's not a no brainer. JC Miller is pretty close. JC Miller yeah, had a he really played, good performance. He
2: played, like Quinn Hughes played 54 minutes in two games.
0: That's insane. You
2: know, he was just, and that's including one of them going to overtime. But the fact that he's still doing this is like. You know, later on in the season, we've talked about this. It just doesn't seem like he's slowing down. Like, at any point, like he's, yeah, nothing that's like supposed to challenge him has so far. And that's just what happens when you have an, out, one of these outstanding rookies. And I think that he's part of this rookie class that is starting to change, like, the way people look at rookies coming into the NHL. Cause, like, who would have thought Quinn Hughes could make this much of an impact?
0: Not me. Like, I didn't. Yeah. think You were like, one of his biggest supporters. Exactly. Like I was talking about how he was going to come in and change the Canucks, change mm-hmm. the Canucks forever, and that was in the sense of you know like he'll change the way we think about defense in this market, which he totally has. But I was really worried that he would struggle defensively, and the whole premise of that article was it's okay if he has his struggles defensively, but really he hasn't. Like he's been playing a shutdown role for the Canucks. He's been playing in all situations. He's trusted by his coach. Basically, in the first month of the season, it was. Oh, it was clear to Travis Green that he had a legitimate number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes and you know like there's there was a lot of talk especially earlier on of people saying like Quinn Hughes is still not the team's best defender it's Alex Edler for sure and you know back in my Canuck Way podcast days I dismantled that take because that (laughs) pissed me off but yeah like now it's no question Quinn Hughes He's promoting the other podcast, no free ad squads. Hey, they, um, they don't do it anymore. Once I left, they just shut it down. Okay. So. Um,
2: but, yeah, you mentioned that, and you mentioned Alex Edler as well. In those two games, Alex Edler, second most in ice time with 43 minutes. So Quinn Hughes, almost 11 minutes more than him, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but my player of the week, and I know I said it's not Pettersson, it's also not JT Miller. Uh, it's not Quinn Hughes either. My guy is Tyler Toffoli because wow. I think that – yeah, he, he got an assist in his first game. He had a struggle to jump into a lineup and make an impact, but he didn't struggle really. Like, that's a struggle for a lot of players, but not for him. He jumped right in. The fact that there was, and it, you know, it's such a small thing, but when, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but when Matt Dumba sticks out that right knee, catches Pedersen, pushes him over, and, you know, Toffoli goes over there and just gives him a little shot in the back. Like, people have been asking all the time, it's like, you don't need to go kick the guy's ass every time they hit Pedersen. But if somebody does a play that looks borderline dirty, someone has to do something. And, yeah. you know, fully went in there, just gave him a bump in the back. That's all he did. Then when the whistle happened, he went over and he grabbed him. Right after that, he went over and grabbed his glove. All, that's all we've been asking for is just take your glove, grab the guy's face, turn his head a little bit. You know, you don't have to break the guy's neck, but get your hand in there and, you know, mess with his face a little bit. Be like, you know, after you hit – like if I was playing sports and someone went off and hit my best player on the ice – I'm not going to just be, like, clapping on the bench. But, like, yeah, that's cool. Nice hit by the other team. It's like, shit, no. Like, we need this guy more than anyone yeah. on this team. I don't want you to be okay hitting my top player. I'm going to make it so that, you know, when you do hit my top player, you notice, like, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I laid out Pedersen. But, shit, I got that guy shoved his glove in my face. He was pushing me after the whistle. Like, do like all that. that stuff. Right? Like, yeah. exactly. And yeah. and Tyler defoley did that not only on that one play, but on, like, multiple occasions. I just kept looking at yep, him yep. when the whistle happened. He's getting involved, maybe not like an Antoine Roussel or a Jay Beagle does after the whistle, but he's on that top line. JT Miller's a guy that can hold his own. We saw him fight uh, Matthew Kachuk the other night. I mean, like JT Miller's a guy that can play physically. He had a big, huge hit against Minnesota Wild as well. But man, it, that's what makes to you know, exciting to see on that line and exciting for this team's top nine because if Brock Besser comes back and he doesn't go back to that line, you know, maybe Jake Vertanen or, or Brock Besser hops on that Horvat line and that line dynamic changes so much. You know, it's still like looking at it when Brock comes back, the most sense makes for Tyler Toffoli to go on that Horvat line. And I'm wondering, like, what do you think made Travis Green not do that? Because it seemed like everything made sense for Tyler Toffoli to go there. The only thing that kind of doesn't stick out is like the best right winger you have right now is Tyler Toffoli. And the best scoring line you have is Pedersen and Miller. That's the only thing for me that makes sense that he was on that line.
0: Yeah, and you know, like that—that that does make sense, and that's main. That's the main part of it, right? Is is just what you just said. And one thing I want to point out is, I wonder if there's almost like a. Oh shit! I'm really quiet. I wonder if there's almost like a thing like, okay, we got a new guy. Let's give him a rep with Petey, Pearson got it. JT Miller, who everybody was touting from the rooftops as being Bo Horvat's next big winger, that you can play with Horvat. This will solve everything. That's not what Miller turned out to be. He turned out to be Pedersen's winger. Um, Poor Bo, man. Bo's like, every
2: time someone comes in, it's just like, this is the perfect guy for Bo Horvat. Have fun playing with (laughs) Pedersen and Miller. It seems like that every time.
0: No, exactly, and that's and that and that's the like. I guess it's not really a problem, but you just feel bad for the guy. And like you know, Travis said at the opening media availability, which I which I was at, not a big deal. But uh, he said at the opening media availability was you know last season I gave Bo the opportunity to kind of vent to me about having to play with such shitty wingers. <laughs> he said it in a nicer way, but yeah. that's exactly what he did. He gave Bo the opportunity. He's like, all right, like let's hear your concerns, your frustrations. Bo said nothing he's like yeah oh, just working hard like you know I, I wasn't there but I can assume based on what Travis told us is that yeah like Bo Horvat's not a complainer and I don't think he's complaining now that he's not playing with Foley but at some point you got to give him somebody other than Louis Erickson especially when Louis Erickson you know Bo Horvat was working hard on that shift where they almost they could have taken the lead and Louis Erickson misses an open net uh, well I guess he didn't miss it. It was a great save, but still you 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 gotta bury the well, yeah, top six. I mean he's
2: got eighty five percent of the net open and yeah. he can't can't get it over a goalie pad who was kind of sitting there flat as well. But that's the thing, like I guess the question is with the lineup as we can kind of transition into that is like is the is the immediate and right move right now just to take Louis out and put Zach in and go put Zach right on the second line?
0: I'd say yes, but Knowing Travis, I think we're going to see one more game from Louis And if he has a repeat performance Like he did in Minnesota Or against Minnesota, that is Then I think, yeah, we're going to see Zach McEwen Slot back into this lineup Because you don't go out in a press conference as a general manager Talk about how you think a guy's an NHL player And then watch Louis Erickson go out And that that's going to bother you after a while Like seeing that, you know Louis taking ice time away from Zach McEwen right now And if he's having games like this He really shouldn't be yeah, and one of the things that I wanted to bring up,
2: this was a article that was put out by Trevor
0: Beggs, who's a friend of the show. We've
2: used uh, their studio, both been on a couple of their shows. But he just wrote an article about eight things you should know about Tyler Toffoli. And uh, the one thing was, was talking about that, that playoff run where that 70s line came together. Uh, it was when the, the LA Kings were down to the San Jose Sharks, 3-0 in a series. And Toffoli wasn't getting a ton of minutes, but he ended up scoring uh huge goals in uh in game five, six and seven. Uh he scored the this, this game the goal in game seven he scored to make an insurance marker. He had the game winning goal in game five and six for the LA Kings on their comeback there when they came back from three nothing against the San Jose Sharks. So um, he's scored in huge moments, and that's probably a big reason why the Canucks went out and got him. But one of the questions you got um, when you were doing your live stream while I was tuning in, but uh, I wasn't looking at it. I just had it uh, playing through the speakers in my truck as I was driving down the highway. But uh, the one thing that you got asked was, do you think that there's a chance of extending to Foley? And I wouldn't mind having that conversation because I found your inter- Your answer was interesting that you gave on the live stream.
0: Yeah, I do see them signing him again. And, you know, like this this comes from, you know, hearing to Foley Uh, Tell Tej or whatever that he wanted to stay Or whatever he said to him And uh, yeah yeah, like it comes from that And it comes from knowing that him and Pearson are like Best friends and I really I really think that if the Canucks Go on a bit of a run here in the playoffs Which when you have guys like JT Miller And Tyler Toffoli in your lineup That's exactly what you're capable of doing If the Canucks are able to make the playoffs And go on a bit of a run I think that's really going to encourage Toffoli to sign here Like You have to think, like, you fall in love with not only the city, but... Well, I guess you don't fall in love with your teammates. But you start to take a liking to your teammates, and you want to stay here, and you want to play for each other. And I think if JT Miller were a UFA after this year, there's no doubt in my mind he'd be re-signing to play with Pedersen some more years. Uh, And, you know, obviously he'd be cashing in on a huge payday because he's having a career year. But I just wonder what Toffoli can get, because who knows? Maybe he is the long-term option for PD, and Brock Besser can slot down with Horvat Like, Horvat and Toffoli on your right side, those are two really good right-wingers on a good team. Like, you know, we talked about it for years. Like, the Canucks' first line is, like, an, a good team's, like, third line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now, <laughs> if that's not it at all. Like, the Canucks are turning the corner here, and they're no longer a rebuilding team. Everybody knows that. And I really I, I really think that if the Canucks are able to do something special here, Toffoli's going to re-sign.
2: I think it's going to take something special to be able to fit him in the cap. That's the only problem. Mm-hmm. And... I get that you know when he signs that contract, he signs it uh, after the 2016-17 season, a year where he you know, was just one year off of having the 31 goals. He had 16 that year, and since then, he's kind of dropped off a little bit. He went from 24 goals in 17-18, 13 goals in 18-19, and then this year, he's up to 18 goals in 59 games. So I, that's the interesting spot, because if you look at where he's at in like, how old he is, I believe he's 28. Or t- he'll be 28 when he signs a contract, I think, in the free agency, but... That's that's the interesting spot because when you're at that age you're going to want to sign something that's you know 4 years at decent money. It would be great if he signed a 2-year deal in Vancouver at you know 4.5 but then that's going to make him 30 years old on his next contract. So this is the big contract. This is him going to free agency as a guy who was traded at the deadline, who was one of the biggest trade deadline acquisitions, especially with Taylor Hall going on earlier in the year, like to fully was one of the bigger names. If we see Chris Kreider go, maybe he topples to Foley for that list. But right now, you got to think to was the biggest name moved in the trade deadline. If he goes to a team that succeeds in the playoffs, his stock just shoots up for free agency because then they're thinking, oh, maybe he only scored 18 goals or 13 goals because he was playing on an LA Kings team that was just falling off, right? And it wasn't, you know, they do have some good top end players there, like Kopitar is a good player to play with. Um, and he had a decent amount of time with Kopitar, but this is the time for him to sign that four- to five-year deal that we see so much with a guy who's 27, yeah. 28 years old where he cashes in and he gets $5 million plus. And the Canucks just, unfortunately, they've they've put themselves into, into a position with the salary cap where they just can't afford another four- to five-year at $5 year at 5000000 plus contract. Because I don't think Toffoli's taking a pay cut. Similar to Chris Tanev, both these guys won't be taking pay cuts after this year.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And here's the thing that someone asked me, do you like the Toffoli trade? Or what do you think about giving up? Something along those lines. And here's what I don't like. You know, I, I don't think I mentioned this much on the emergency podcast, but yeah. I've given it some more thought. And yeah, the Canucks are in cap, going to be in cap hell, okay? It, nobody's trying to deny that. Nobody's trying to say it's not going to be hard for Jim Betting to navigate this. But we just saw today, cap space can be freed up if you give up an asset. Vegas just did it today. Uh, Toronto did it at the draft with Carolina. Marlowe in a first, right? Just for Carolina to buy out Marlowe. Um, it can happen. And that's why, like, if you talk about what the Canucks gave up, I'm not worried about that second round pick saying, Oh shit, they could have drafted him. They they could have drafted a player. They could have got a real player here. Like, I'm personally I'm not too worried about that right now. Like, the reason I'd like to have a second round pick around is okay, let's pair that second round pick to go. Be able to get rid of a contract, get rid of a Louis Erickson, uh, get rid of a Brandon Sutter, whoever it may be. I like Brandon Sutter. Don't get me wrong; like he's a decent player when healthy. Yeah. Um, but you know, at that at that price tag, like pairing him along with a first round pick or a second round pick to a team that has cap room, it frees up so much cap space for you. And in a year where the Canucks are talking about going after Tyson Berry in the off season, um, I know, don't think the Canucks are talking about that. But a lot yeah, of Canucks fans, yeah, 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 sure. Are, sure Facebook sure. comments, are, yeah. And then, you know, uh, Tyler Toffoli, um mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom, Chris Tanov, Troy Stetcher, who's probably not coming back, unfortunately. We'll talk yeah. about that very soon. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I just see that, and I I worry about them not having en- enough to give up in order to free up cap space. Because they're going to need it. Like, Hughes and Pedersen are going to cash in at well, the that's same the, time. Well, that's the
2: thing. Look at the top paid players on this Vancouver Canucks team. They're making $6 million. Yeah. Right? And, of course, the cap goes up, but, you know, it, it's not going up just, like... It's not going to go up a ton in the next couple of years, but when you have $6 million, that's already what you're worrying about for the next, this year and two years after Louis Erickson, you have Bo Horvat making five plus you have JT Miller making five plus good contracts. I think for both those people, but it, it worries you because now you have Tyler Myers as another example of a guy making $6 million. How do you throw another $20 million possibly into two more players? Like, They're not. They're making the league minimum rookie salary, or not the league minimum. They're making a rookie salary of just you know under a million dollars plus bonuses takes them over that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that scares me. And then when you talk about you know you have to give up these assets, it's like I I don't know. And this is like a conversation we can have about the whole salary cap and a whole. Like I feel like there needs to be a change with something with the salary cap because the Canucks are going to be forced to be put in a position similar to what you know the Toronto Maple Leafs were put in a couple years ago when you have to pay your good players. And you simply just can't keep good players. You almost get penalized for drafting so well to a certain point. And that's just, that's, that's crappy because the Canucks drafted Quinn Hughes at seven. They drafted Pedersen at five. Like these players were not the number one picks. They were guys that they found at the right spot. Quinn Hughes wasn't really a reach at the time. A lot of people say Pedersen was, I mean, he wasn't on a lot of people's top five lists, but the Canucks went out and drafted him and now they're going to be like penalized for him doing so good because they have to pay their money to their other players. And you know, they're, you know, they're also somewhat penalized for having a guy like Tyler Myers playing your third pairing, make $6 million for the next five years. But we don't have to get into that too much, but that's the thing. Like, I don't know the whole cap situation with me. Like I, I've heard a lot of people talk about what about a franchise tag in the NHL? I think that's a great idea. I think if you have a guy like Elias Pettersson on your franchise tag or Quinn Hughes on your franchise tag, they make as much as the top five guys uh, combined in the NHL, then they'd like divide it through five. And that's like the basis of how much you make on a franchise tag, similar to what they do in the NBA. Um, not NBA, sorry, NFL is what they do for that. Um so I think that that's a good idea moving forward but like we can have this conversation another day about the salary cap because uh like the Canucks are getting into a spot right now and what what I was trying to say there was you talked about having to give up a first or a second to get rid of a Louie or get rid of a Brandon Sutter and it's like yeah, like they kind of have to now if you want to look into the future and maybe sign a Tyler Toffoli. But then it's like, okay, Tyler Toffoli is now the winger that we have coming into the future. And you have guys like Vasily Podkoles and you have guys like Niels Hoglander. But what you don't want is to be two years down the road and not have any more of those type of players coming through. We've seen this with the Vancouver Canucks in the past. This is why some people hate Mike Gillis because he did similar situations like this to just trade so many players for a team that was already really, really good. And he went out and got players to make this team elite, make it the best team in the NHL. The Canucks right now are good. But they're not at that point yet where we saw Gillis go out and make these type of trades where you invest in that core that you have built perfectly together that makes so much sense because you have a guy like Lawrence Gilman who was just like the perfect guy to put together that group and he did it so well with the contracts. And the thing about the Vancouver Canucks salary caps right now with the players making the money that they're making is it's not the perfect core to start going out and giving away all of your assets right now. That's the only thing that scares me because if they had the right core, they have a couple players that seem like the perfect guys for the right core, but you mentioned it. Like they have to now. if they are going to get rid of Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson contracts and hell, maybe Tyler Myers down the road, because if he's, if he's going to be a third pairing guy making $6 million, like that's not great on your team. And if you're going to try and pay other guys, like they now need to make the perfect trades with getting rid of those guys or getting their money away because yeah, like it's, you need to keep having Vasily Podkolzin's and Cole Lins and Jet Woos coming through and if you trade away all your first and second round picks like you can get lucky with Jack Rathbone or Adam Godet but you don't get lucky every single year in
0: the draft. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we have to worry about is you know down the road, but that's what I'm saying is when people say you have to worry about down the road, I start to worry about the cap. That's just me, like and that's that's why I suggest you have to give you're going to have to give up assets at some point. To uh, To be able to get out of these contracts And you know, like Yeah, like you said, it's almost like the Canucks are getting punished For drafting well yeah. uh, And it sucks, but you know, it's really like The Canucks are getting punished for signing Louis Erickson to a $36 million deal That's true too, yeah And they're getting punished for signing Brandon Sutter To what they signed him to um, I think the cap just needs something to change though Like there has to be something the fact
2: that the league hasn't been able to adjust of these guys coming out of their entry-level contracts and making $11 million, like there hasn't been some sort of adjustment from the league for that. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I think that guys like Elias Pettersson and guys like Austin Matthews and these type of guys that come out of their entry-level contract and deserve to make $10 million plus, they should be getting paid that, but... The league just wasn't adjusted to that with how the salary cap is, and that's going to hurt teams that have these type of superstar players yeah. in their first couple of years.
0: Yeah, and like I know the salary cap's not really supposed to go up a lot at the end of the season. No, and, but-
2: and a lot of people think that's going to save the Canucks, and it's not. And no. the other stupid things that's going to cost the Canucks is obviously the, the Roberto Luan with $3 million it hurts them for the next couple of years as well. Um, after this year, I believe it's a three-year thing left for yeah. Roberto Luongo. Two, two more after this one. Two more after this year. Yeah. So that's another thing that's going to hurt, and that's something that maybe we don't talk about a lot, but that's like three million plus dollars. Yeah. That they're losing because of that, and yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of crap in the future for the salary cap. But if you look at what Toffoli is going to bring to this team for this year, I like the trade, and I like, I don't mind, you know, giving up Tyler Madden. I had him ranked as the ninth best Canucks prospect coming into this year. So he, I've heard a lot of people say like he's in a lot of people's top fives, and it's like okay, I didn't see him in a lot of people's top fives this year, but I, you know, I had him at ninth. Um, but that also included Hughes and Demko, I think, on my mm-hmm. list for Canucks Army that we wrote. So Madden was tough to give up because he was, you know, starting to play very well. But we talked about it on the emergency episode. They have centers like Godet. Pedersen, they have JT Miller, they have Bo Horvat, all of them are going to be locked down for a long time, uh, assuming that Pedersen signs. Yeah. I don't even want to think about Pedersen <laughs> no, not No, don't signing. even talk about that. But they have the centers that they want at the NHL level for a little bit, and um, yeah, I think that's why he was open because they have the wingers coming through that are going to help this team, but like I said, it's it's going to just see how it happens in the next little bit here because right now they had to make the move for Toffoli because the Pacific is so wide open.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, there's there's more young guys coming up, too, that can play center. Like, Cole Lynn's playing center right now in Utica. And I think this is a good segue for our ride in the bus segment. But let me finish my thought here. Like, we have Zach McEwen, too, coming up, right? And, you know, he's progressed really well for a guy who was an undrafted free agent. And, like, I, I'm very happy with what the Canucks have been able to find in Zach McEwen because it's, it's kind of like a diamond in the rough. But you don't... Uh, you don't really expect that to come when you're not, you know, drafting. So, yeah, it's, and he can be a fourth line
2: center if yeah, you have to. That's exactly, thing, right? exactly. Like he played center, he plays a lot of it, like when he's down in Utica.
0: No, he didn't play a lot of it in Utica, but he also hasn't played a ton in Utica this year either. But We'll have to ask Corey about this. But before we get into riding the bus, here is a advertisement from our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing Company.
2: All right, guys, before we continue on with the episode, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor. That's Parallel 49 Brewing. You can check out their website, parallel49brewing.com, and check out some of their year-round beers as well. If you haven't tried the Jerkface 9000, I highly recommend it, uh, alongside with the two tricycle beers that they have. They have the Grapefruit Rattler and the Cranberry Rattler, if you want to mix it up with some fruity-flavored Rattlers on some Sunday afternoons or something. And if you want to go rate... To the source, you can go to 1950 Triumph Street. That's in East Vancouver. Go out and try their beers. I believe they have something like 40 plus beers on tap. So go try all the stuff from the jerk face all the way to the tricycles. Go out there and drink some beer and uh, make sure you're 19 or older. Enjoy Parallel 49. <laughs>
1: McEwen into the goal and he scores what a play by Zach McEwen who draws the comments to within one a little shimmy shake
0: Alright guys, joining us now for Riding the Bus is Corey Hergott. Corey, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Comets are coming off uh, 6-3 win, so uh, pretty happy uh, Comets Corey right now.
0: Yeah, there you go. One guy we want to talk to you about after that win is goaltender Michael DiPietro. How did he do tonight? He had a couple of tough performances last week. We talked about it. How did he bounce back tonight?
1: He had a great game, 30 saves on 33 shots. Uh he me you know, he has a habit of making those saves late in periods where he's kind of holding the team in in the game. The Comets kind of uh they tend to get outshot a fair bit um throughout most of the season. They were only outshot by three uh three shots tonight, but D Pietro's done a really nice job this year of kind of uh you know, keeping his team in games with really, really timely saves when they, uh, you know, the, the Comets are pretty prone to uh, defensive errors. We saw another shorthanded goal against uh, tonight, so I think that was the 14th of the year against them. So they, uh, they, they have a habit of, um, you know, maybe not looking after their own end as well as they should. And uh, Di Pietro's off in the last line of defense, and tonight he had a really nice, uh, really nice game.
0: Speaking of, like, defense, we want to talk about Justin Bailey as well. He got basically one kick at the can up with the Canucks, and he was on the fourth line alongside Jay Beagle. And when I watched that game, I really saw, like, Bailey definitely brought more offense to that line, but he wasn't really good in his own end. And I know that's something you warned us about when we were talking about bringing him up and putting him on the fourth line. You told us that he's not really... um, He's not really great in his own end defensively. So we definitely saw that. But what did you like when you saw Bailey up with the Canucks and what did you not like?
1: Well, the big thing with Justin Bailey's game is it's always predicated on on his speed. So as soon as he's able to use his speed uh, going one way or the other on the ice, um, you know, he's able to take advantage of that. There aren't a lot of players who can kind of uh, keep up to him. So sometimes what ends up happening with Bailey is you'll see, uh, you know, where, when he maybe doesn't have the puck on his stick or, or nobody on his team has the puck, you kind of see him maybe, uh, you know, kind of wondering almost looking like he's wondering what he's supposed to be doing out there at times i do think there's time for this player he's only 24 years old and i know in the world of hockey 24 years old is getting close to gray beard territory uh but i think there's time for this player to uh you know to be able to make a little bit of noise with this team i, I think that he's a guy that I, I think he's a restricted free agent at the end of this season i personally i'd love to see him back um and see him back and, and get another shot at a, a fourth line gig here and there and, and be a guy that, you know, can come down to Utica if they need him to and, and uh, you know, be an all situations player for them and pile up some points down there. You think he's up to 45, 46 points now on the season in 46-ish games, so he's uh, he's having a pretty good year.
2: What does, he, uh, what does he bring back to the comments lineup? Because he jumps down. Was he back with Cole Lynn tonight? Because I didn't get to see much of it
1: he was he was uh they had uh bailey on one side lind on the other and john stevens in the middle and uh you know stevens has been uh, pretty decent since coming over from uh bridgeport in an ahl trade for uh, oh, i was gonna say for tanner Sorensen for uh uh dylan sataway so um it was a pretty good deal for the comets uh, on at the ahl level they've done that a couple of times now since i've been watching the team and. Uh, uh, yeah, Bailey and Lind, uh, they were clicking again tonight. Uh, Cole picked up his 13th goal, and he's been kind of, uh, kind of cold for a little bit here. So I kind of had a feeling with Bailey coming back into the lineup that it might give Cole a little bit of a boost, and, and we saw that. His goal was a beautiful backhander. Um, Steven set it up. Bailey picked up the, uh, the secondary assist on it. So, uh, yeah, it was nice to see uh, Bailey back in the lineup and, and helping uh, Cole get his game back on track.
2: Did you uh, get to see a handshake from Colin and Justin Bailey after the goal?
1: Of course.
2: <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> I wanted to continue with Colin a little bit because I believe I have this right. He hasn't missed a game yet this year in the AHL. I believe he's the only one only player on the comets that's played all year for them. What is what does that kind of mean for a player on this team, especially at his age and bouncing back from last year?
1: well you're correct there he is uh he's the only player on the team that's uh played every game this season i think lucas Yashik has only missed one or maybe two um so yeah cole being going from last year and i think he only got into what was it 51 games he missed a lot of time with injuries uh, i think he had three or four healthy scratches all season last year so for him to be able to come in this year and uh number one stay in the lineup in the coaches uh in light of the coaches right making sure he's earned their trust and they're not pulling him out to healthy scratch him at all and then the fact that he's been able to stay healthy when he's uh you know cole isn't shying away from physical play he uh he goes and seeks it out after the whistles we've talked about this at length with him so the fact that he's been this durable this year and he's uh you know he's for the most part he's been very consistent uh with putting up points he's only uh you know his last little stretch of maybe uh I'm not 100% sure maybe six or seven games where he's gone a little bit cold but um you know he's uh he's back in the, on the on the scoreboard tonight and hopefully that continues going forward here
0: and you know on this show we gotta ask you about the NHL guys so how did Sven Berchi and Nikolai Goldobin do
1: oh, well Berchi picked up a goal and two assists and uh you know he's he uh, he he was interviewed, I believe it was after last game. Um he basically said he's doing everything within his power to uh you know, make himself uh, you know, a target for other teams to pick up at the trade deadline. He knew that today was his last chance to uh put his best foot forward and uh, you know, he did well with a goal and, and two assists. He had a sharp game today uh you know i i mentioned this earlier today in a tweet uh you know for people to enjoy this game tonight because this might be the last time we see the comets in this kind of incarnation uh they don't play again until wednesday so that's after the deadline this team could uh have a very different look by this time next week we've heard names like oleo levy being thrown out in the in uh, trade rumors by uh by rick Dollywall as a guy that's been asked for we've heard uh Rogan Rafferty's name out there. We've heard uh Berchi, we've heard Goldobin, uh you know there are a lot of players on this team that could possibly, you know, be valuable in a in a trade deadline deal for teams looking for a, a little bit of a push from below uh for for their playoff hopes and uh you know possibly a team looking for some uh, a bit of a sweetener in one of the younger guys in a deal to, to for the Canucks to kind of offload a and Erickson, or or uh, somebody along those lines. So it's going to be an interesting few days to watch how this all plays out.
2: Yeah, and you know we've seen a little bit of over the past couple of days. I know the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Florida Panthers just made a trade for a guy that's you know succeeding at the AHL level, but they think that he can do it at the next level, and he can be maybe a guy that can jump into a top nine. Like I'm wondering because like the guys that bring up are, are Sven Berchi, or Reed Boucher, or Nikolai Goldobin. Do you think that there might be a chance? Because a lot of people are thinking the Canucks are going to be buyers here, but I wonder if they can get back an asset if they want to move a guy like Goldobin or Berchi or Boucher that might be able to help an NHL team or even a defenseman. I, I don't think they'd move Rafferty, um, but I think that you know they have some forwards that could maybe make some impacts on some NHL rosters.
1: Yeah, and this is all this is all what I'm saying. It's going to be an interesting uh, handful of days here to see how things shake out. You know, we got to remember there's, there are also guys like, uh, you know, they moved out Tyler Madden in that, uh, Toffoli deal. You know, there are other guys playing overseas right now who could, uh, be potential, uh, you know, sweeteners in deals. You, you might see somebody like a Petrus Palmu. Uh, I don't think he's, uh, you know, has a future with the Canucks. So maybe they can, uh, use him in a deal as well or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, it's, it, this is the thing that kind of worries me as a guy that covers the Comets. Uh, I, I would love to see uh sven barchi find a new home at the nhl level i'd sure hate to see him get traded to the devils in a trade and then have him stay down in in binghamton and have him you know be one of the guys that ends the comets uh playoff hopes (laughs) when they end have to play against them same sort of a thing with the Goldobin. i just have these little uh things creeping into the back of my mind that uh, we could see these guys get moved uh, in division and that could really you know you're taking those big pieces off the comments roster and handing them over to uh, to a competitor it's it's certainly not something that uh, that I really want to see happen but I'm a little worried that it could
2: yeah absolutely and on the other side of it um, if the Canucks want to go out and be buyers at a deadline I think that one of the players that they could be throwing in there though he's battled injury throughout his career is Olia Levy but you know, Corey, Corey. He was sick last week. He had an upper body injury this week. Are you reading into anything about that, or do you think that's what's actually going on down there?
1: No, I think in this instance, that's probably what's going on. I I don't really like i. I see, I saw Rick Dollywell talk about this uh, on Twitter. He, just because uh, he's mentioning names out there, doesn't necessarily mean that those are names that the Canucks are offering up. It could yeah. just be those are the names that are being asked for uh, by the other team. I don't. I honestly, I don't know that i see uh the the canucks giving up uh olio levy in a deal for a for a playoff rental i mean i know they gave up tyler madden in a deal for uh tyler Tafoli and that could very well end up being a just a straight up rental deal uh that's a big piece to lose out of the prospect pool but uh, i think the i think that the canucks are going to want to probably hang on to the defenders that they do have and i wouldn't be surprised to see them you know maybe add one or two more i think that's uh That's going to be something to watch here. We keep seeing Troy Stetcher's name out there. And if he gets moved out uh, without another defender coming back, it's going to be really, really interesting to see who uh, Travis Green decides to trust with playoff minutes up in Vancouver off of the Utica roster.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here. Um, We're we're kind of out of time here, Corey, but it was announced this week that the uh, Utica Comets will play an outdoor game. How cool is that? Just, uh, I guess, initial thoughts on that.
1: I'm pretty excited for it. I haven't really dug too far into it to see uh, exactly what the dates are and that sort of a thing. But I know it's against uh, the Syracuse crunch, and that's, uh, you know, that's the, the team's biggest rival. Um they're going to have uh, special jerseys made up for that game. And uh, the fella, Eric, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, but Eric uh, that works for the Comets and and does all their jersey design and, and that sort of a thing does such a fantastic job. We've seen so many very, very cool jerseys and logos come out of this guy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. It'll be kind of fun to... Kind of cover an outdoor game at the AHL level—that'll be a first for me, absolutely.
0: Okay, Corey. Before we close out here, we're going to talk about this a lot more next week—the outdoor game, that is. But any thoughts of flying down and going to watch it live?
1: Oh man, if I had the money and the budget, I'd <laughs> uh, I'd be in Utica for sure. Uh, I'll tell you guys, uh, that's a bucket list item for me—just getting to uh, the Adirondack Bank Center uh, to actually watch a game and and take in a Comets game live. After watching them for three seasons now and and seeing how uh, rowdy that fan base gets and and uh, and uh, just the whole experience there in that building that's that's definitely something that's a uh, it's a bucket list item for me I don't know that it's you know realistically going to be in the budget anytime soon but it's uh, definitely something for me to uh, kind of sit and dream about
0: all right Corey thanks a lot for doing this man have a good night okay guys have a good one all right we'll talk to you next week and a huge thank you to Corey Hergott for joining us again for riding the bus. We'll have more with him next week about that stadium series. That's something I'm actually excited for. Like, I'll be watching that game.
2: We had uh, we have a lot of stuff that we didn't even get time to talk with Corey. Like, Mikey DiPietro is now kind of, like, taking over the starting role. And that's something we've been asking Corey about for the past couple of weeks. And I think in the past two weeks, we've ever since the goalie coach came down and worked with DiPietro, um, and it was Sanford who went down there and worked with him, um, DiPietro started, like, every game. Since then So you know McIntyre's not playing Ever since he had that tough game I guess like a week and a half ago So the fact that Mikey's playing all these games Is awesome and yeah The stadium series Is going to be sweet So um, the fact that An AHL team's doing that We'll see But then like Knowing the Canucks organization You know like McIntyre's going to start over Mikey DiPietro next year In the outdoor games so, Yeah like, exactly it be something ridiculous But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No it's a good, good conversation there. Shout out to Parallel49 For uh, the presenting sponsor as well
0: Yeah Yeah let's take a look At the standings Before we close out here oh, Chris Oh man Let's take a look. So right now, as it stands, time of this recording. Vegas Golden Knights with 62 games played, 72 points. Right behind them is the Edmonton Oilers with 60 games played, 71 points. And the Canucks right behind them with 60 games played, 70 points. And right behind them is the Calgary Flames and the Arizona Coyotes with 68 points in the first and second wildcard spots.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the fact that you know Arizona's up to 64 games right now, which is uh, a big... Big help for the Vancouver Canucks, and I guess you know it also helps the Oilers as well and the Flames because they're all at sixty and sixty-one. But you look at what's been going on around them. I mean, the fact that Vegas and Edmonton was able to pass Vancouver now is because you look at Vegas's last ten, they're seven-two and one. You look at Edmonton's last ten, they're six-three and one. Then you look at the Vancouver Canucks and they're four-four and two. I mean, they just came into a, a six-game homestand where you know they were riding hot, and a lot of people were thinking like, "Wow, this is this is where they can stretch that lead in the Pacific." Yeah. You know, get four or five wins out of this homestand and. obviously they're not going to get to that point but Boston on Saturday is just going to be a huge test I mean that's as we're recording this the best team in the NHL right now yeah and I wonder what that one game against Boston can can do to a management group that's going into a trade deadline because this spot that you get to right now I know so many people talk about wherever you're at in American Thanksgiving that's where you you are if you're a playoff team in American Thanksgiving you're going to be in the playoffs like yeah okay but like we're 60 games in now we're 3 quarters of the yeah. way through and you have this game against the best team in the NHL it's a perfect measuring stick to see where your team would stack up against a playoff team and i wonder if the canucks you know are are pushed to making a move here if they come out and they lose 4-1 to the Boston Bruins on yeah. Saturday night. Do they think they need more firepower?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing I'd like to add is they got smoked last time they played the Bruins. And mm-hmm. last time they played the Bruins, Matt Grizzlick threw that hit on Pedersen that launched the Canucks into this tirade of starting fights. And, like, you know, the Canucks, I, I'd let, you know, hmm, how do I say this? I want to say the Canucks are a different team than the last time they played Boston. But they've just lost a ton since they last yeah. played Boston. So...
2: I, I'm but they've really also played some good games and also 100%. outshot a lot of teams since yeah. they played Boston as well. So I can agree with you. Like your your point is is correct because, you know, Jacob Markstrom won them so many games uh, for a little bit of that run, especially going into that Boston game. But coming out of it, they've played some really good games, and you've heard Travis Green talk about it. We've heard some of the players talk about it that they think they're playing some really good hockey right now, and. For a while, they you know they were playing good hockey, but they were also getting all of the bounces. They were getting all of you know dominating on like some of the analytics that were showing that yeah. something was going to fall off. But the fact is, if they can keep up that good pace of play, you know you can you can just outbeat that out, that analytics counterbalance that's supposed to come here. And um, if they continue to fire shots like they have in the past little bit and get shots on net, I mean the first period they dominated uh, against Minnesota Wild. They were like controlling two thirds of the shot share, which was huge for them. Um, and Jacob Markstrom just. You know, didn't have one of those games where he's he's won that game. He's made that game be a 3-1 game a lot this year, right? And he just mm-hmm. he didn't happen to have that against the Minnesota Wild. And I, I don't think you can rely on Jacob Marston. We've been saying it for a long time. He he can't do that every single night. He's going
0: to do that a lot of nights, yeah. but he can't do it every single night. Yeah, exactly. So game's going to be on tonight. This is coming out Saturday morning. Who do you think is the first person to throw a hit on Matt Grizzlick, a big hit, and oh, really answer this?
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, Grizzlik's not uh, not a big defenseman. I think that anybody is going to get in there. on the. I, I think Roussel is my bet if I had to shoot, if I were betting man on that. I think Antoine Roussel gets in his face right off the bat. I think he's, uh, he's the kind of guy that remembers stuff like that. I think Jay Beagle's going to give him something after the whistle. Um, and, you know, like... I wonder how much he skates against the Patterson line, and I'd like to see what Toffoli messes oh, around. that was my answer. Anything, I was going
0: to say, Toffoli's my guy. I think it's going to be Toffoli is the one that goes after him first.
2: Do you think that um, it's going to take any change in the roster, and I mean that by you know a Brock Besser coming up or a Justin Bailey coming up or a different player coming up, to get Toffoli off of that line? Or do you think that it's going to be something that, you know, if... It, if- if it's not working at 5-on-5, five five, then they move it around? Or do you think it's going to take a roster player like a Brock Besser coming back to change that? Or so even th- Josh Levo or something like that? So
0: it's either going to take a roster player or Jake Bertanen having a really good stretch of games on that third line. Other than that, there's no way.
2: See, I don't know if they move him up if he starts playing good on the third line. Like, I, I think it's, yeah yeah. you know, like if, if that third line starts to have success, you kind of expect success out of the other two. So who do you bring up if there's no roster returns? That's that's the question. It's like you you have to fix the top six with Louis Erickson getting yeah. him out of there, and it does make sense to you know position it a little bit. But you know Travis Green when he does make a line change, he doesn't like mixing up three lines. Yeah, and the right move I think is to move Vartanian up to the top line with J T Miller and Elias Patterson. You bring Tofoley down with the Horvat line, and then you play you know a Zach McEwen or a Justin Bailey type on that third line. Hell, maybe a Sven Berchie, even though it probably won't happen. <laughs> but like a player like that on the third line and. You know, Travis Green just doesn't like to. You know, he puts his he puts his lines in a blender sometimes during games. But when he has like time to think about it, he almost like doesn't want to mess around with so much yeah. of the lineup. He just likes to make one little switch or one player comes in, one player comes out. That's why we see so often. Like, how, there's not a lot of NHL teams where a guy who was sitting out for like what was it 12 games in a row, Lou Erickson set out. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of NHL teams that have that guy playing on their second line and jumping in and out of the lineup in a second line. Like, that's what the Canucks have, and. um I'd just be interested to see Zach McEwen get in, man. I I know that um, we'll know more obviously by the time this podcast comes out. But if Zach McEwen hops in on that line, I'll be uh, I'll be a happy fella for the big fella. on the Pedersen line. No, sorry, with um, instead of Louis Erickson.
0: Oh, okay. So Tefoli stays on the first line. Yeah, I think Tefoli will stay, and I, I
2: think that the Canucks should make a switch for Zach McEwen coming in on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree with and you. And with Boston in town, like you know, they're a team that you're gonna have to match with the physicality, and Zach McEwen makes a lot of
0: sense for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. All right. Well, I think that's it. You got anything you want to add before
2: we close out? Uh, no. I got um obviously the Botch for Project article will be coming out sometime next week. I'm gonna be handing that in just after the trade deadline to the Canucks. Um, it'll be available for everyone. And I don't. Uh, I've tried not to ask people this all the time, but I this is similar to what Botch did last year. This is the one article I'm just asking if if you can give me a retweet, if you can give me a like on this. I want this to be the article that gets shared. It's. Um, it's exactly what I'm trying to do with, with what Botch did last year. I just want it to be my Mona Lisa of the year. It's going to be the best article I write, um, all season long for sure. Got a ton of quotes. I got Bo Horvat in there. I got Troy Stetcher in there. Um, I got Elias Patterson. I'm just going to go through the name. Why it aren't Jeff Patterson, Tony Gallagher, Harmon Dial. All these guys are in there involved in the conversation. They all helped me a ton on that Botchford project night on Wednesday, and, um, yeah, I think that, um, even just chatting with them about what the article was, they were kind of excited to read it as well. So now I'm, I'm at the point where I was really excited to write this article and now I'm at the point where like, I don't want to let people down with it. So I'm kind of like getting worried. I,
0: I definitely know that feel just fired off to absolutely everybody. Like, you know, mm-hmm. got to give a shout out to JD Burke. He was yeah. the guy that really cleaned up my Quinn Hughes article and made it like what it was. Right. And you know, like that, that's probably the article I'm happiest with that I've ever written. Yeah. Um, other than that BCHL one, I did. I really liked that story I did for the Coquitlam Express about right. Adam Trotman. Yep. Um, but yeah, like that was um, that was definitely one of my proudest moments was that article. And I absolutely cannot wait for your article. Like it's, dude. It's, I said it last week. It's going to be. It's probably going to be the best article that comes out of this whole initiative. Oh, yeah, I'm. I
2: hope so. No offense to you. Well, other than yeah, mine. Yeah, other than yours. I mean, I've I, yeah, I've, I've put a lot of work into this. I've been working on it for, yeah. you know, that I've been telling you. I, I had this idea months ago that I wanted yeah. to write this article, and I've been working on it a ton over the past three weeks. So, um, yeah, the one thing I ask is maybe a retweet on this one for all the Canucks Conversation listeners. Yeah. I'd appreciate it. Um, that's all I got, it. though, man. That's all I got, quads.
0: Yeah, and with that, we're going to close out. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you for listening to the Canucks Conversation.